Hey, you're listening to the Bramley Baptist Church podcast. We're glad you're joining us to listen to this week's message. Whether you're starting your journey or looking to strengthen your walk with God, we believe that God will speak to you today. Let's get into the Word together. Well, I pray that uh, you have been blessed uh, so far this morning. It's been a a wonderful time of worship, and uh, we're going to continue in worshiping as we look at God's Word this morning. Uh, Anyone who has little kids or has spent any time around little kids will be familiar with the phrase that they seem to learn ever so quickly. That's not fair. That's not fair. It's amazing how how quickly, right, our, our sense of justice and injustice is grown within us. In October uh, 2014, our our youngest daughter, Hannah, uh, was born. And it's only a couple months for Christmas, but but for Christmas, Ali's grandmother, who we call Abuelita, it was grandma in, in, in Spanish, Abuelita, she gives each of the grandchildren and great grandchildren, uh, she would give them $50 each for Christmas. And it didn't matter how old or young you were, if you were a grandchild or a grand, great-grandchild, $50 for Christmas. And so in 2014, even though Hannah was only two months old, Abuelita gave her $50 just like everyone else. And wouldn't you know that one of her siblings was so quickly to say, Hannah got $50? That's not fair. And, and I was confused. I, I said, how is, how is that not fair? How is that not fair? And they would say, well, Hannah is just a, a baby. I mean, she can't even, even spend the $50. And that's, that's true, but, but can't Abuelita do with what she wants with her own money? And didn't she give you $50? Like, are you wronged in any way by Hannah getting $50? Didn't you get what you deserved or what you were owed? It's funny, isn't it, how our our sense of justice, it, it comes so quickly, and yet as quickly as it comes, our sense of justice is just as quickly tainted by our sinful nature. Our sense of justice is often simply disguised by our own selfishness simply because we think that we didn't get what we feel we deserve. I thought about that as I read our parable for this morning. The parable of the workers in the vineyard. And Jesus tells us a a very similar story, a story uh, with a purpose, as we've been saying, this series is called, and it's a a story that's meant to uh, reveal to us a truth about God's kingdom. It's a story about a group of workers who felt that the person who hired them wasn't being fair. And yet Jesus uses this parable to demonstrate for us the simple truth that the kingdom of heaven is drastically different than the kingdom of the world. 
His kingdom, God's kingdom, is governed drastically different than the kingdom of the world. In his kingdom, we find a God who is just and a God who is generous. We serve a God who is just and a God who is generous. So if you haven't already, we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 20, and I'm going to invite you to open your Bibles or, or click on your devices there and uh, open up to Matthew chapter 20. We're going to be looking at verses 1 to 16, and when you find it, we're going to stand in reverence to God's word. And I'm going to see if I can see Maybe that's better. We'll see. Matthew chapter 20, verse 1 to 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. And going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And so he said to them, you go into the vineyard too, and whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out about, uh, so they went, and going out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour, he did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you go into the vineyard too. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the eleventh hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house, saying, these last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he replied to one of them, friend, I am I'm doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the last will be first and the first last. This is the word of our Lord. You may be seated. So, I mean, at first glance, I mean, this seems like a, a pretty straightforward parable, right? Uh, we've got a story about a man who has a vineyard, and uh, he needs laborers. He needs workers to work in that vineyard. And so he goes out early in the morning, uh, probably around 6 a.m., and he goes into the marketplace to find people to work in that vineyard. And he agrees to pay them a denarius. A denarius is a, a day's work, a day's worth of work, a wage for that. And then after a few hours, he goes back out, the third hour, so roughly around noon, and he hires more workers. But he goes out again, the sixth, or, or uh, a bit later, and, and again at 3 p.m., at, at, and, and one more time, just about the end, the 11th hour, the end of the day, he goes out one more time. Apparently, he had a lot of work that needed to be done. But then there's this twist at the end. It comes time for everyone to get their pay, and the catch is everyone gets paid the same. 
No matter what time of day you started, whether you were there as the day began at the crack of dawn or whether you were hired an hour before the shift ended, everyone gets paid a day's wage, a denarius. And you can hear the ones who started early in the morning. You can hear them as loud as you hear a three-year-old crying, that's not fair. I mean, imagine you or I showing up to work every day on time, working as hard as we can till the day is done, and we got our coworkers here who show up halfway through the day, probably take three or four lunch breaks, uh, and at the end of the day, we find out we all got paid the same. I mean, you would, you'd be saying the same thing. That's not fair. And not only are some of us thinking it's, it's not fair, some of us are thinking, I mean, Jesus, that's just bad business. You can't pay everyone the same amount. Your business will never survive. And, and what are you doing going out at the last hour to hire more workers? You're never going to get your money's worth out of them. Who runs a business like this? So this story that seemed uh, so straightforward suddenly got a, a bit more complex. And that there's some clues here to understanding what Jesus is getting at in this parable. And the first clue is really in the first uh, seven words of this passage. This is going to be awkward. So the first clue is really in the first seven words of our passage. You see it there? It says, the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house. First seven words, the kingdom of heaven is like. Right, Jesus is telling this parable to reveal to us what life is like in his kingdom. And that's important because when we read the Bible, uh, we have to understand that, that one of the meta-narratives of the story of the Bible is the story of two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of the world. That is the kingdom that is ran and motivated by human desire, human will, and human sinfulness. It's, it's the kingdom that was birthed with Adam and Eve biting into that fruit. And, and when they did, in came the kingdom of the world and the system of the world that, that, was, that, that was for everything that is contrary to the will of God and the purposes of God. And every human being that is birthed after Adam and Eve is birthed into this kingdom of the world. It's the world that we know, that we see. The world that is motivated by excess and greed. The world that's motivated and ran by lust and overindulgence. The kingdom where the, where the powerful and rich reign and the weak and the poor suffer. Where the underprivileged are stepped on and taken advantage of. That's the kingdom of the world. But Jesus comes and he births a new kingdom. And this kingdom is not like the kingdom of the world. This is God's kingdom. It is a heavenly kingdom, a kingdom of righteousness and holiness, a kingdom where the weak are made strong, where the strong are humbled, a kingdom where the underprivileged are honored and exhorted and the privileged and rich are brought low and humbled. 
And that's the key to understanding this parable that Jesus is showing us. He's showing us that, that his kingdom is not like the kingdom of the world. That's why this doesn't make sense to us. His kingdom is drastically different than the world that we live in. His kingdom is governed by different principles and different priorities in the kingdom of the world. And that brings us to the second hint of interpreting the parable. Well, what is he teaching us about this kingdom? Well, notice that this parable is bracketed by a statement. You see it if you just back up uh, one verse in chapter 19. Look at what it says in chapter 19, verse 30, just uh, above our passage there. It says, but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. So remember, when the, when the Bible was originally written, there was no verses and, and chapter markings. It was all one thing. And so sometimes our, 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 our chapter breakings are a bit off. But, but this, this, this saying, many who are first will be last, and the last first, it's, it, it's, it's, it's what precedes our parable here. Our parable comes on the heel of this statement, many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. But then notice how the parable ends. In verse 16, it ends with Jesus saying the exact same thing. That the last will be first, and the first last. Verse 16, you see that? So it's, it's par this parable is bracketed by this statement. The last will be first, and the first last. It's the clue, it's, it's a hint. This is what this parable is meant to flesh out. It's meant to teach us this statement, to illustrate to us what this statement means. In fact, even Jesus even makes this a part of the story. Do you, did you notice that? At the end of the day, when he makes the workers line up, do you see that in verse eight? Look there, it says, and when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. So we have this parable about the kingdom of heaven. And the theme statement seems to be that in the kingdom of God, the last will be first and the first last. So what does that mean? Well, I remember when I was a kid, one of the things we'd like to do is we'd like to see who the fastest was. Now, listen, I know I, I look pretty big, but I used to be pretty quick. I used to be pretty quick on my feet. And so we would do this, right? It was always a competition. Who's the fastest? And we would, we would go out at recess or hang out as kids. And, and maybe you did this too. We'd set up the kind of the parameters. Like we're going we're gonna to start here. Starting line's right here. We're going to race to the end, to the goalpost and back and, and see who's there. And see who's the first. You ever, you ever done that? But what happens, let me ask you, what would happen if everyone in the race caught, fin crossed the finish line at the same time? It's a tie, right? In fact, you could say if everyone crossed the line at the same time, you would say the first would be in last and the last would be in first. That is, they would all be equal. 
And I think that's Jesus' point about the kingdom of God here, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of the world. In the kingdom of the world, there is injustice and power dynamics. In the kingdom of the world, there is privilege and prestige. In the kingdom of the world, there is racism and sexism. In the kingdom of the world, there is inequality in, 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 and inequity, but not so in the kingdom of heaven. Not so in my kingdom. In my kingdom, the first will be last, and the last will be first. Everyone is equal. Everyone is on the same level. In my kingdom, it is the humble who are exalted and the poor who are made rich, the weak who are made strong. In my kingdom, there is equality. And that's what Jesus is going for in this parable. We get that image of the God that we serve and his kingdom. In our parable this morning, we see a God who first of all is just. That is, we see a God who is fair. We serve a God who is just. I, I get that from the image of the master of the house. Look there in verse one and two. It says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers for his vineyards. And after agreeing with the laborers for a denarius a day, he sent them into his vineyard. So get this, the, the master of the house, well, that, that would represent God in this parable. And the vineyard, well, it's an, an image really from the Old Testament of God's kingdom. And the workers, well, there are those who have entered into his kingdom by faith. And what Jesus wants us to see is justice. The fairness of this master he goes out and he hires workers. And you know what? He pays them a fair wage. He offers to pay them a denarius. Now, a denarius in Jesus' time would be considered a fair pay for a fair day's work. Now, that's important because, what, because of where Jesus goes, where the master of the house goes to find his workers. He goes into the marketplace. Now, understand this... This wouldn't be the cream of the crop of workers. These would be day laborers. They would be just one step above beggars in this economy. This is what they would do every day. They would go into the marketplace and they would stand in a crowd and they would hope to, to get work, hope that somebody would come along and say, hey, come work for me for a day, I need you. And they would hire them for a day and whether or not they ate or their family ate that day would depend upon whether or not they got hired. These were desperate people who were dependent on the mercy and the need of others. And so you know what would happen? I mean, savvy businessmen who knew this, I mean, this is the place they would go to get cheap labor. And so often they would hire them for less than a denarius, because they knew that these people were desperate for work and so desperate, they wouldn't, they wouldn't argue. They would take what they could get. You, okay, half a denarius, I'm there. I, I just need to eat. I just need to, to make the ends meet for today. But not this landowner. Not this master. This master is not out to take advantage of anyone's misfortune. 
He's going to hire them and he's going to pay them a fair wage, a just wage. He's going to give them what they are due. We serve a just, a fair God. And some of us struggle with that concept because we live in an often unjust and unfair world and we deal with often unjust and unfair people and unjust and unfair circumstances. And I think the struggle and the frustration that we have is because we keep trying to find justice and fairness in the world, but you're never going to find it. We look at our lives and, and some of us have had it rough. Some of us have faced unfair circumstances and uphill battles. And so it's hard to wrap our minds around the fact that we serve a fair God. Because we say, really? Because it seems like some have had it way easier than I have. But understand, the promise isn't that we find justice and fairness in this world. You will not. The hardships, the injustice... The battles in this life that we face are not because our God is unjust or unfair, but simply the reality of living in a fallen, broken, sinful world and being in relationships with fallen, broken, and sinful people. Notice when God's justice is realized. Notice when his fairness is realized. At the end. The promise isn't that we find justice in the kingdom of the world, but Jesus is saying, when the kingdom of heaven comes, and the, when the kingdom of heaven comes, and the, the Son of God returns in glory and establishes his kingdom on this earth, and that's the end of the day in our parable. The end of the day represents the end of time, when it is time for each worker to receive their pay, or time for us to all to receive the reward that we are due. When we see God's justice, just how fair he is, if we pick up our passage there in verse 8 and read what happens, it says, And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the laborers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last up to the first. And when those hired about the 11th hour came, each of them received a denarius. Now when those hired first came, they thought they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. And on receiving it, they grumbled at the master of the house saying, These last worked only one hour and you've made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the day in the scorching heat. But he replied to them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? Take what belongs to you and go. I choose to give to this last worker as I give to you. I mean, you can just picture this, right? I mean, uh, they all line up. It's time for us to receive our wages for our work. And the master of the vineyard, he, he lines them up purposely so that the ones who started are at the back of the line and the ones who came at the end are at the front of the line, right? And so the ones who were hired earlier, well, they see all these people before them getting a denarius. And you can just kind of picture them in their mind like just, oh, man. I mean, if they're getting a denarius... And we've been here for 12 hours. We're getting paid. Or some of you say, we're making bank. You can imagine how shocked they were when they received 
the same reward as everyone else. What? Do you know how much work I've done today? Don't you realize how hard we've worked through the, the hottest part of the day? Do you see the sores I have? The calluses on my hands from all the hard work? My shirt is just drenched in sweat. I deserve to get paid more than those guys. But the master says, hey, I'm, I'm not sure what the problem is here. I mean, when, when I hired you, wasn't the agreement that I would give you a denarius? Well, yeah, but... And didn't I give you what we agreed upon, friend? Well, I guess so, but I thought just because... Well, but isn't this my money? And can I give it to whoever I want, however I want? Like, like it or not, this is fair. You come to work for me, I will give you a day's wage. See, that's, this is the image of salvation, right? The workers who enter into the vineyard to work are those who come into the kingdom of heaven and all who enter into the kingdom of heaven while well, we all receive the same eternal reward. No one's greater than anyone. It doesn't matter how old or how young you are. It doesn't matter how rich or how poor you are. It doesn't matter if you have grave sin or little sin. It doesn't matter if you started serving God as a child or didn't come to know Jesus until later in life. All who enter into the kingdom receive the same eternal reward. That's fair. That's just. The promise is that all who come to Jesus receive forgiveness of sin. All receive restoration unto the Father and eternal life in him. All who place their trust that Jesus took on our sin and died in our place and he was resurrected from the dead. All who believe that he is coming again to take us to be with him. All who repent from their sin and turn to Jesus in faith and trust him, we all receive the same reward. The problem is that some of us, like these early workers, well, begin, we begin to grumble against God. Because when we've been serving the Lord for some time, we, we kind of start thinking like, like God owes us something somehow. God, haven't I been faithful to you? Haven't I been with you all my life? Haven't I served you? Didn't I share the gospel? Didn't I, didn't I give my tithes and offerings to the church? Didn't I go on that mission trip? Didn't I serve as a greeter or an elder? Didn't I teach that Bible study? Didn't I do all those great and wonderful things? Don't I deserve something more? Don't I deserve to have a good life and a great job? Don't I deserve a, just a little extra than some others? The problem, the problem, my friend, is we forget that God is no man's debtor. Meaning that God owes us absolutely nothing. If Jesus, if God never did another thing for you beyond the cross, that is still enough for us to praise him for all of eternity. In fact, I got to tell you, you, 
you should probably stop asking God to get what you deserve. Because let's not forget that while we are all equal in salvation, we are just as equally sinful. We all, we all have sinned and fallen short of God's mark of holiness. And what we deserve, friend, for our sin is nothing more than the wrath of God and eternal judgment upon our souls. So if you are to start asking God to give you what you deserve, I'd hesitate on that one. The reality is that God doesn't give us what we deserve. He gives us greater than we deserve. Let's remember where these workers would have been if it had not been for the master of the vineyard hiring them. Remember, they were just a, a little above beggars begging for work. And if he had not hired them, they would have st still been out there begging. And if they didn't find a job, if they, if they did find a job, it surely wouldn't have been for a denarius. They would have been working for a fraction of a denarius if they were lucky. Like, like some of us forget where we would be if God had not come in and rescued us from the disaster that was ourselves. Where we would be if it had not been for the grace of God in our lives. Before we start talking about what God owes us, let's not forget that he owes us absolutely nothing, that he is under no obligation to do or give us anything, and yet, and yet, he has given us everything. Not only does this parable teach us that we serve a just and fair God, but it shows us that we serve a generous God. God is just. Oh, but he is so gracious and so generous towards us. We serve a generous God. I mean, this parable puts on display the amazing grace of the God we serve. Grace getting greater than we deserve. And, and we talked a bit about this already, but, but let's not lose sight of the fact that grace is displayed even in the pay that they receive. A denarius for a day labor. Let me put this in perspective for you. A denarius a day was about the rate that a Roman soldier would receive for their work. For these day laborers to be offered a denarius for a day's work is unheard of. And, and the image is that this offer of salvation that God gives to each of us is an offer of generous grace. And notice the, notice the requirements for this job. Notice there's no job interview, right? There's no qualifications, no prerequisites. You don't have to give any references, no experience required. It didn't matter. You need a job, I got a job for you. It's a display of, of who is able to enter the kingdom, who is able to come to the master. Anyone and everyone is qualified. It doesn't matter who you are or where you come from. It doesn't matter how much you know or don't know about Jesus. It doesn't matter how weak or strong, rich or poor, man, woman, child, adult, come. No requirements. Come and enter the vineyard and receive your reward. But grace is seen in, 
And how many times he goes out into the marketplace. Right, read again verses 3 to 7 here. It says, in going out about the third hour, he saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to them he said, you go into the vineyard too. And whatever is right, I will give you. So they went, going out again about the sixth hour and the ninth hour. He did the same. And about the eleventh hour, he went out and found others standing. And he said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said, because no one has hired us. So he said to them, you go into the vineyard too. It isn't just once that the owner goes calling for workers. It's not twice or, or even three times, but, but five times he goes and finds workers to go into his vineyard. What do we understand about this? Well, if we understand it in terms of Christ's second coming, the message of grace is that God is still calling workers into his kingdom right up until the hour before his coming. The message is that there's still time to come and enter into the kingdom. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should enter in and receive the blessing of working in his vineyard. He's calling you even up to the final hour. And yet we can understand the calling of these workers, even from the perspective of our lifespan. Like some of us, some of us come to Christ early in life. I mean, you talk to some people, they'll tell you, I mean, I can't remember a time that I didn't believe in Jesus. I mean, I was raised in a Christian home. My parents taught me the gospel. And early on, I had this personal relationship with Jesus. Well, maybe some, maybe some come in their teens, like a, about the third hour. Some of us, like, like me, come to faith in the sixth hour, maybe in their 20s or 30s, a point where maybe they have doubts, they have questions, and they need to understand, but, but yes, they come. And yet some, it isn't much later in life, 50s, 60s, maybe even the 70s they come to faith. I mean, one of the greatest highlights of my ministry is the blessing of being able to, to baptize uh, Ali's parents, my in-laws. And they were well into their 60s when they came to salvation. And yet maybe some, some it's at the 11th hour, the last hour. Maybe it's right on our deathbed, when death is the greatest reality to us, that our eyes are open to our need of salvation. I mean, we think of the thief on the cross, right as he was dying, and he recognizes who Jesus is, and Jesus says to him, today, today you will be with me in paradise. See, this is a message of grace, because Jesus is saying it's never too late. As long as there is breath in your lungs, as long as the final trumpet hasn't sounded, there is still time to repent, to turn from your sin and look unto Jesus and call him for salvation and forgiveness. It's never too late. I think that's important because maybe there are some here this morning who think it's too late for me. What do I have to offer God now? It's too late in my life. I'm, I'm all used up. But the message of the kingdom is that it doesn't matter when you come into the vineyard, just as long as you come. 
the parable here is a, a message of grace. I mean, you're right. In the kingdom of the world, this doesn't make any sense. How do all of these people receive the same reward no matter what time of life they come, no matter what qualifications they have? How is it they all receive the reward? What kind of master would grant such generosity? It's about justice. It's about grace. The problem is that some of us grumble against God because of his grace. I mean, let's be honest, we love grace when it comes to me, right? It's easy to celebrate grace when I'm the benefactor of that grace. When it's extended to others in their life. What about those who we are disgusted with by their life choices? I mean, this was the point for Jesus' listeners Celebrate when people like the disciples are saved, but, but what about the outcasts? What about the tax collectors and the prostitutes? What about the leper and the blind beggar who we want nothing to do with? And we have the rejected of our society too. What about those who are, are saved out of living a lifestyle that you don't agree with? What about those who in our mind are, are guilty of egregious sin? What about those who have lived their lives in squander and now all of a sudden they want Jesus? But you, you're skeptical because, well, you know what they're really like. We want to shout, that's not fair. The mistake is to think that somehow it takes more grace to save them than it does us. The mistake is to think that somehow the sin of others is any more egregious in, the, in God's eyes than my own. The kingdom of heaven is not like the kingdom of the world. In the kingdom of heaven, the last will be first and the first last. That is, we're all on equal standing. Everyone comes into the kingdom the same way, equally sinful, equally in need of forgiveness and restoration. And everyone comes by faith in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And when you come, everyone receives the same reward, salvation, eternal life in Christ. That is the justice and the generosity of the God we serve. And yet... I would be remiss if I didn't point out the subtle message of this parable. Very subtle. And that is that we serve a God who calls us to work. We, we, we get that even from who he's looking for. Look again at verse 1. He says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who went out early in the morning to hire laborers, to hire workers. Uh, the, the master is looking for workers. And I don't think it's a coincidence that Jesus uses the imagery of workers in the kingdom. Do you? Jesus goes out calling, goes out calling those to enter his vineyard. But he, but he isn't calling them to come and rest. And he isn't calling them to come and hide. And he isn't calling them to come and sit, to come and just wait until the Lord returns. He's calling them to work. 
He's calling them those who want to work but can't find work. We see that in verse 6. About the 11th hour, he went out and found others standing. He said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They said to him, because no one has hired us. We want to work, but we can't find a place to work. So you go into the vineyard too. The calling of the kingdom isn't for those who who want to sit idly by and wait. The calling of the kingdom, the calling of God's vineyard is to come and work. And what is the work of these workers in the vineyard? What do you do in a vineyard? Well, you bear fruit, don't you? I mean, you, you start to see the connection that's the calling of the Christian life, to, to bear fruit for the kingdom. I mean, it causes us to ask the question, those of us who have entered into the vineyard, we ask ourselves, how is it right now that I am working for the kingdom? How is it that, that right now in my life that I am bearing fruit in God's kingdom? What is it that I am doing in my life that could be considered working for the Lord? Maybe some of us are asking, wait, wait a minute, Pastor Dave. We just spent 12 weeks in Galatians talking about not mixing works and grace. So, so how come Jesus is doing it in the parable? See, I would think it's a mistake to think that works has absolutely no part in our salvation. The trick is placing works in its rightful place. Notice when the work begins. Do you notice that? The work begins after they enter the kingdom. That's significant, right? The master isn't going out looking for those who are working. No, you don't enter the vineyard through work. You come by grace. But once you've entered in by grace, well, then there's work to be done. Jesus wants us to know that the kingdom, his kingdom, is not like the kingdom of this world. If you are looking, listen, if you are looking for justice and fairness and equity and equality in the world, bad news, you're not going to find it. But come, come into the kingdom, come into the master's vineyard, and you will find a God who is just, and you will find a God who is generous. Jesus is calling laborers into his kingdom. Come and enter in. Come and find your reward. Thanks for listening and making us a part of your walk. We encourage you to take today's teachings and apply it to your life. Challenge not only yourself, but those around you. Our support in your journey does not end here. To hear more messages from all our series or to speak to someone to help grow your faith, visit us at branley.org.